Elvis, you slimy little toad. You don't think all people are alike, you just think they're all like you. Excuse me, I have some guests to greet. Do that, Garrett, and see if you can book them into the right room, just for the challenge of it. Soon we'll be making Does she get turned on by the little things you do? What little things? Do we have to get personal? Smiles, smiles, everyone. Ah, it's going to be a beautiful day. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Murder Love Triangle podcast, where it appears that our only job is to watch episodes with Mancor's wife again and again mm-hmm. and again. I'm Roy, and I wish my mom would get back together with Conrad Bain. I'm Josh, and guys, I'll be there in a couple seconds uh, as soon as I finish blow-drying my hair. <laughs> and I have Spencer, and I would absolutely die to be the ghost that helps you find love. i gotta send you guys something here in the chat you're not gonna believe this so before we go any further this is pretty important so click on the link that i just put in chat to the love boat soundtrack yes now look at who wrote the love boat theme song paul williams what hey step haircut oh man (laughs) i thought i caught a scent of haystack when i was listening to that (laughs) He wrote the Love Boat theme song. He also wrote Rainbow Connection and most of the soundtrack to the Muppet movie. And I think he wrote all the music for the Christmas Muppet special or whatever. The... He is one of the Muppets. Yeah. After being humiliated, he's like, oh, what can I do to redeem myself? So Paul Williams, I guarantee you we're going to see him on a Love Boat episode. Oh, uh, I don't have to. I don't think he's on any Columbo, but he was in a movie I just watched called The Cheap Detective, which stars Peter Falk, and he basically plays Columbo. So anyway, <laughs> Paul Williams. That's pretty that's something else. The original haystack. <laughs> you guys, here we are. We are watching these three episodes from Fantasy Island, not Columbo, because we've seen the Columbo episode. And the love boat for Janet Lee, who, uh, well, Spencer will get into her street cred, but because we already watched her Columbo episode, so we decided to watch her in Murder, She Wrote, which is a new thing for us. So that's what we got going on today. Now, Spencer, you want to tell us why Janet Lee is a big deal? I would love to. Okay, Janet Lee, not Janet Lay. Yep. Got that sorted. Um, she was born to a couple of paupers. On July 6, 1927, in Merced, California. She was super smart. She graduated high school at 15. She was discovered at a ski resort where her dad worked the front desk and her mom was a maid. And after being discovered, she got her first starring role in the romance of Rosie Ridge. Who who discovered her? There was a famous actress that was just at the resort and I guess took a picture of her and took it back to Hollywood and was like, look at this dame. Look at them gals. Who, who was it? Was it Mae West? Uh, uh, was it? It was Mae West. So that's amazing. So you just have to be attractive and noticed by a star. No, and... she really is that incredible Hollywood story that, you know, millions of people wreck their lives over yeah. and never achieve. Yeah. You know? um, and so let's see here. She was in over 60 movies. She wrote two books. 
her most known roles obviously are Psycho and the Manchurian Candidate. You'll see here. Now we'll go off some fun facts. Actually, just awards. She won the Golden Globe for Psycho. She was nominated for the Oscar, but never won it for Psycho. She's also nominated for an Oscar for the Defiant Ones, but she never won. Fun facts about her role in Psycho. She was a part of the first movie scene ever to show a toilet flushing. Extremely <laughs> controversial. Yeah, so weirdly, like I guess the censors didn't have much of a problem with the way they shot the murder, but the toilet flushing was a big deal. A bridge oh, too yeah. far. Yeah. <laughs> they took it too far. Like I don't frankly, I'm shocked they even showed the show anywhere. <laughs> um well let me see here. Some other facts about that famous show. After her shower scene, she was so like taken back and scared and like Hitchcock for like a whole shoot would like try to terrify her. And so she developed a real problem with showers. So she allegedly never took showers after that. Oh, can you imagine your entire life? Nothing but bathing. <laughs> Just <laughs> no showers. So one of the things Hitchcock did was he switched off the hot water mid shower to get like a genuine scream for her from her. <laughs> <laughs> but so interestingly enough so i rewatched psycho uh, up until her murder anyway um the vince uh, bond one no not the vince bond <laughs> one so i, I rewatched psycho up until the shower scene and at the end when like the camera is pulling away from her you can see that that her 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 throat is kind of bobbing and uh so it, she's not very good at holding her breath i guess but the story is that like she was so traumatized that she just like couldn't <laughs> <laughs> so anyway <laughs> suffering for art uh janet thank you that scene is incredible one of the greatest murder scenes in all movie history yep. and she used the body double for it oh that wasn't her not quite naked body no that was a body double oh man that shower scene took seven days and over 70 takes Jeez. where they wanted so well, no wonder she was traumatized. <laughs> so wrinkled, yeah. yeah that, that was her direct quote. She said, all my skin was wrinkled for days afterwards. <laughs> Hitchcock just won't let her leave for seven days. Like, get back in the shower. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> Let's see. She was also part owner of the Phoenix Suns. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Bet you guys didn't know that one. Nope. No, sir. <laughs> do you guys know what her trademark was? Uh, her perfect southern accent yeah hmm. i was saving to go to cooking school <laughs> it was for expressive eyes oh um, thank you yeah and so she is the mother of jamie lee curtis who she will be starring with in the love boat yeah and because every single person we have featured has a tony curtis connection she does too in that she was married to Tony Curtis. <laughs> she wasn't in the Navy with him? She was in the <laughs> Navy with him. She was married to him and they broke up because Tony never felt he was good enough for her. Wow. Oh, well, he's right. He was right. So I wish I could have been there to comfort Tony. I know. If we could have just talked to him. Yeah, I know. Do you think there was a lot of pressure for Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, being raised knowing that your parents were Tony Lee Curtis or Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. <laughs> Tony Lee Curtis. I would say that GR, but she had two kids and so we never heard of the other idiot. So <laughs> the other idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it was that big a deal. Paul Williams uh, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was going through her street cred and watching her in the love boat, 
Like, she had such a glowing, powerful performance in that show that I can't help but think she was channeling what could have been with Tony. Oh. Mm. Yeah, she's she's energetic and vivacious, and she kind of, like, commands... She, she, she commands attention when she's on the screen, So, but she's she's fun. She does. So she was married a total of four times. She was married to one guy for like a week when she was 15 or 16, and that was an old... Conrad Bain? Was that Conrad, Conrad, Conrad Bain? Conrad Bain was Mancor. Um, <laughs> you know, her last marriage lasted until the day she died, which was on October 3rd, 2004 in Beverly Hills. And that is Janet Leigh. How long was she married to Garrett? Two years. That's how long she was married <laughs> to sure. Garrett, the, the guy that, that she, you know, when she owned the hotel and Garrett was her young lover. <laughs> oh, yeah. Garrett's oh, not code for Conrad Bain. It probably is. <laughs> that episode's so weird. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. But anyway, Janet Lee, how exciting. This would you, this is, this is the biggest star we've had. And she is in a starring role in every single episode. She's not like, the cameraman or the DMV instructor in one of these episodes, right? Like she, she's not somebody I didn't know wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So it, it, this was exciting and it was fun. And these are some fun episodes. Speaking of which we should start with fantasy Island. Josh, I believe you have this. She plays Suzanne King and take it away. Yeah. So she plays Suzanne King. Um, there are two storylines going on in this episode of fantasy Island. Uh, the one with uh, Jana Lee is that she and two other people have been mysteriously selected to come to fantasy Island to participate in a competition to win $1 million. Mm-hmm. And they don't know who the benefactor is, um, but they get to the Island and they're, told that the person who will take home the $1 million is the person who can be the most, what would you say? The best person. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the, the, the kindest, kindest, most the kindest, best boy. Selfless. <laughs> the most selfless. The most They're going selfless. for the award of daddy's best boy. Yes. Or mommy's best boy. <laughs> mommy's best boy. Unbeknownst to them, one of the competitors is actually the mysterious benefactor. And he has a secret side bet going with Rourke that uh, he's lost his faith in humanity. And he thinks that the, the prospect of getting a million dollars will reveal their dark side. And Rourke believes in humanity. And so he's betting that, uh, that it will show their goodness and kindness. So they have different opportunities to show this, including uh, Paul. Was it Paul? The other guy that uh, he sees a, for some reason, there's someone mugging a lady at the resort at fantasy Island. There is so much crime on fantasy <laughs> Island. Know. No security. Like no one there is the doing most anything. Dangerous right? place ever. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, he takes on, takes off after him and tackles him and beats him up and gets this lady's purse. And, that was a great uh, act of uh, bravery and kindness. And then yeah. uh, Suzanne King, they noticed that uh, a home is on fire and she pulls up about the same time that the, the 1890s trolley car fire engine shows up <laughs> to put out the fire. And an adorable little boy comes and tells her that Murphy's inside. Murphy's inside. <laughs> And so Suzanne King, without thinking twice about herself, runs inside, 
comes out with the dog and she says, I couldn't find Murphy, but I found this dog. And that adorable boy tells her, that's Murphy. Oh, were you, were you hoping Murphy was going to be an orangutan? <laughs> I was. Yes, I was hoping it was Dunstan in there. Um, but so anyway, so they both seem to uh, be neck and neck in, in terms of who's going to win the competition when Suzanne King decides to pull a fast one and sends a made-up telegram to the other contestant saying that he has been given his job back and his wife loves him again, and so he needs to leave the island immediately. <laughs> Isn't that the That is so mean. Yeah, he's going to get home and the door is bolted shut. So. <laughs> he's homeless with no employment. <laughs> and so, anyway, the plan works, except for she has a crisis of conscience when she's awarded the prize money calls for this other guy to come back and the the benefactor is so impressed by them both that not only do they both get a million dollars but he's going to marry suzanne king now i know. <laughs> I, know I thought i was watching the love boat it was just like the love boat yeah they no that was that was great this is this is the first of at least two episodes where the man the despicable man convinces the woman how silly she's been and that she should marry him, right? It always ends in a marriage. See, but she's the worst, though. Like, the fact that he wants to marry her. Yeah, yeah, because, like, I mean, she does her good deed, but then the last thing she does is she simply undoes her really bad thing. Yeah, she's just, yeah. like, she's just gold-digging that guy at the end. Yeah, she just tells the truth. And then the guy, <laughs> so he's like, you've really impressed me, and now we're getting married. Let's get married. <laughs> you guys like the line where Janet, like, Janet Lee's like, you don't think all people are alike, you just think all people are like you! And then five <laughs> minutes later, they do get married, so... <laughs> <laughs> that line stirred something within me. Yeah. yeah. So the second part of uh, the second story in Fantasy Island revolves around uh the guy the the cook from mel's diner in alice <laughs> back yeah and so any i think his name in the in the fantasy island is norman hackett and he is a sports junkie who has always had a fantasy of owning and managing his own franchise and so he comes to fantasy island uh and for that reason and of course, Mr. Rourke, one step ahead of him. He has arranged for him to be the owner and manager of a sports franchise, but it's not what he thinks. It is a roller derby team. And a bad one. <laughs> and a bad one, yes. You know what? Like, he's all shocked that it's a roller derby team, but like, what part of him thought that his $10,000 entry fee was going to get him like the Denver Broncos? <laughs> <laughs> this was like a Homer Simpson fantasy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, and so anyway, so yeah, he gets this roller derby team and they're pretty terrible and he's, he's struggling to coach them up. But then Rourke comes and tells him some bad news that his accountant, who's been managing his finances, he has taken off and taken a lover and <laughs> has gotten, has uh, depleted all of his uh, financial resources. So he has no way to pay uh, Mr. Rourke his fantasy fee. And so the only way that this is going to work now is if he can help this team win and win in impressive enough fashion that it will convince another guy to uh, buy the team. 
Is his account named Polly? I think it was Polly. Polly's run away with his money. <laughs> Polly ran away with his robot lover. <laughs> so anyway, so they, uh, you know, during this, he, uh, the, the women on the roller derby team really start to respond to him because he is inspiring. And in particular, one of the, one of the uh, members named Sandy, uh, is not only learning to love roller derby again, but she is falling for Mel. <laughs> Do you think for, it was his sweatshirt that just simply said manager? I think like he was. ironed the letters on himself. <laughs> I think it was. And one thing I love about this is how how involved and enthusiastic Tattoo is with this whole project. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, the the day of the the big uh, roller derby championship comes and this guy that is gonna buy the team at halftime he spills the beans that he's about to buy it and of course this deflates all of the women on the team especially sandy who i've been falling in love i wasn't ready for that i wasn't ready either and uh that was a twist that i did not see coming back in the locker room they demand an explanation and he has to come clean and tell him about his financial problems and they are disgusted and are not going to go back out for the the second half, but he inspires them yet again. And they go back out there and they decide that they're going to give it their all and they win it in the last second. And by the way, tattoo worst play-by-play announcer of all time. (laughs) I can't understand a word he's saying. I can't understand what he's saying. Um, but so anyway, they win and uh, Rourke comes back and his accountant has been found and everything is back as it should be. And Norman Hackett and Sandy decide to get married and leave the island together. Like this really was the love boat. Yeah. <laughs> Did, but doesn't he, he, he keeps the team, right? So he doesn't have to sell the team. Yeah. So, so why is he leaving? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I assumed he would live on Fantasy Island for the rest of his life and be the coach of this team, but he, but he's not. He's leaving. And taking your best player. <laughs> yeah. Jared, when you've got the influence of a Coach Hackett, you just set the wheels in motion and it goes by itself. Okay? Yeah. That's true. Beautiful Vic Tayback. <laughs> that guy, man. Did you guys notice, like, my favorite thing about this whole episode was with his accent he's doing, he didn't really ever say Mr. Rourke. It always came out as Mr. Ork. Mr. Ork. Oh, goodness. So, hey, that's Fantasy Island. Any observations? Yeah, that guy went from PE coach to manager to married. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. In in just a few short days and $10,000. Yeah. Yep. You know what? I was watching that. Like, you're watching this whole episode. A couple of favorite parts, obviously, is when Tattoo slaps him in the butt, gives him a good game after. An attaboy. Yeah. After they win. And before he gets married, you know, he makes this daring and, like, very controversial decision to change their name from the Dolls to the Bells. Oh, you know, we I forgot to talk that, about this, yes. That was powerful. But this whole time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to need his money. And then, <laughs> you know, Montalban comes to him and is like, your money's gone. And I'm like, how is he going to pay for all the sexual harassment lawsuits that I know are coming? <laughs> well, and it was funny, too. Right on the heels of his, like, inspiring speech about women empowerment, like, he dresses them up as showgirls. <laughs> you know, it becomes a burlesque show. <laughs> Uh, oh goodness 
So do you guys ever seen a roller derby match? I mean, could you understand what was going on? Like, did you know why they were scoring points? I had no idea what's going on. And I honestly, the only time I've ever seen roller derby is in like TV or movies. It's in 80 shows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. What the scoring is. (laughs) All right. You guys ready to talk about murder? She wrote. Yes. Oh, you know, we are. Okay. This was really different because we're used to uh, our friend Columbo solving the murder where we already know what happened. But in this one, the audience is in the dark until the very end as well. And, and so we're solving this alongside uh, Jessica, but really she's solving it all by herself. Cause I feel like this one was completely unsolvable until at the very end where she just pulls some clues out of her head. But anyway, <laughs> so this one's called doom with a view and the, the Jessica is in New York city visiting her nephew, the crocodile hunter. <laughs> um, they can't stay in his apartment because of cockroaches so they're gonna go stay in the plaza hotel because our friend has uh, her nephew has a friend garrett and he married a woman named cornelia who owns the plaza hotel so jessica has her doubts about why would someone marry someone so old right uh but anyway they are married uh, we get to the hotel grady runs into a cheerleader from high school that's just hanging out of the hotel so there's that. Now, what we learn really quickly is the cheerleader is a setup from Garrett. Like Garrett has talked this girl into, hey, you know, flirt with this guy and come to dinner. And it's really that, so I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand about this, this episode. When parts. like when the ending is revealed, a lot of this episode makes no sense. Oh, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, the point is that. We learn that Sandra, that's the name of the cheerleader, and Garrett are being sexy behind Cornelia's back. Oh, yeah. They may or may not be married. Yes. So Grady goes to Sandy's room and he finds murder. She's been murdered and he sees Garrett fleeing the room. And now Jessica, she comes into the room and she immediately knows it's no accident. And here's how she knows. Because the lady hit her head on a dresser, but there's nothing in the room to trip on. Also, there's a rumpled pillow, although the bed was still made up and it has a lipstick stain. So, you know, Mm. looks like someone might have could have been smothered. (laughs) Also, Sandy had written uh, a phone number down on a piece of paper. She had gotten a call and she wrote down a phone number. I think that's when when Grady visited her. He noticed she's writing down a phone number. So she wrote a phone number down on an envelope, but they cannot find that envelope in her room. Now, the detective decides to arrest Grady but I think this comes after Grady totally gets set up so I really don't understand this so Garrett tells Grady that hey I gave her a bracelet and I need you to retrieve it for me (laughs) because when the police find that bracelet they're gonna think that I did it and so Grady goes in and everything in this episode hinges on this like Grady kind of deserves to go to prison for being such a wuss he's pretty dumb he's a dummy but so this episode, it's so important that Garrett and Grady both have names that start with G's, and it also makes it awfully hard to keep track <laughs> of who's who. So uh, Grady, the idiot, goes into her room, and he goes and he gets the bracelet that says, like, love from G on it. And he's as he's looking at it going, oh, boy, the police show up, right? And they well, arrest him. He didn't even once question, really, like, why don't you just go get it? Yeah. Why doesn't like, Garrett go get either it? Either one of us can be seen in there. Yeah. So yeah. Why don't you Garrett's reasoning is like, can you imagine if they caught me in there? And like, well. Well, yeah. Can you imagine if they caught me in there? <laughs> so Garrett's taking advantage of the fact that Grady's really dumb. <laughs> 
If you are from Outback to New York, it's a hard transition. <laughs> so Jessica's upset because the police really aren't doing their due diligence, especially the, the commissioner or whatever, because all he really cares about is hobnobbery. Yep. Yep, he loves going to parties. And gala balls. Yeah, and gala balls. We learn a few things uh, from, what's the guy's name? Mr. Havlin. He's like the concierge, right? So we learn that Sandra's bank account has been receiving $25,000 payments every time she visits the hotel, and she visits frequently. And Mr. Havlin doesn't have a clue where she gets it from because she doesn't really have a job. Uh, We learn she is actually married to Garrett, that they got married when they were very young, and that they're trying to keep it. He's trying to keep it from Cornelia. Uh, because the problem is, like, if he divorces Cornelia, well, it wouldn't even be a divorce because he's already married. So their marriage isn't worthwhile. And Mrs. Garrett from Facts of Life, <laughs> who, That's where she who, is, who is Garrett's mom, is like, yeah, they, once uh, once they get divorced, he's going to make a ton of money. But he won't make any money because they can't get divorced because they are never married. Sandra keeps showing up. She's got the marriage certificate in her pocket every time she comes. And she says, hey, you know, I'll show this to your wife unless you pay me 25000 bucks." So that's what's going on. Garrett's getting blackmailed. So you would think that Garrett, who arranged this, you know, make my friend Grady think that you're in love with him uh, thing for dinner, and then who also was fleeing the room, and then who also got Grady in trouble by having him sneak back into the room and retrieve <laughs> evidence, you would think that Garrett killed her. Yeah, the other thing is, like, didn't Grady see Garrett in the room? Yeah. yeah. And he just didn't tell the police? Yeah, and he didn't tell the police. Grady's so stupid. So we learn, however, that it's the concierge that killed her. And Jessica discovers this because of turndown chocolates. <laughs> because Mr. Havlin says he didn't have turndown service because he was asleep. But he did have turndown service because there were turndown chocolates. And that's when Sandra was murdered. And then he just totally spills the beans about everything. <laughs> Columbo style. <laughs> yeah. He was super relieved. He's like, oh. <laughs> so Cornelia won't give him a raise, even though he's been there for a long time, because Cornelia is so tight fisted. And but he learns this whole blackmail thing's going on. He approaches Sandra and he's like, I'd like some of that blackmail action. And she's like, forget it, buddy. And I guess because he didn't get to be a part of blackmail the only option for him now is to murder her <laughs> yeah it's not to go to grady or garrett or whatever one that is and say hey i know your secret too yeah why not if you, if you can't if you can't get sandra to pay half to you then go to garrett and say hey guess what the bill just got higher right because i know as well so they discover the marriage certificate on in Havlin's room and of course it's in the envelope that has the phone number written on it that she'd written down which I think was like to her dentist or something like that also we learned that Cornelia has known for a while that they've had this affair but at the end when all is revealed Garrett says I love you and I only want to be with you and now that my wife's been murdered we can be together and then she says I've been such a stupid foolish woman I don't know why your affairs have been so upsetting but I'm the one who's wrong and <laughs> and and we should stay together and I love you very much. I'm glad she finally saw the light. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I like Angela Lensbury and I think I like Murder She Wrote, and we'll probably end up watching more than just this episode of Murder She Wrote uh as we do this podcast. But I kind of feel like I mean, would you ever have caught that dumb clue or have ever suspected Mr. Havlin even in the least? No. no. It's completely out of left field. 
Yeah, it was crazy. It was a like a bottom of the ninth clue that kind of came out. Also, I, I just don't get what the point of making Garrett do all these really insane things that he would only be doing if he was part of the murder. So now that we know he had nothing to do with the murder, it's completely inexplicable that he did any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? That's why he's trying to bribe the cop. Why? Yeah. Hey, maybe you should focus your attention <laughs> on Grady. And why does he want Grady to get framed for? Why is he framing anyone for murder he didn't commit? <laughs> he's the worst friend ever. He's just a bad friend. <laughs> He just delights in seeing Grady being <laughs> going to jail. Would would you say Grady could also be known as Simple Grady? Yes, <laughs> Simple Grady. Oh my gosh! Like so, watching this episode, one Cornelia, like especially in that dining scene when she's in black, yeah. looks just like Cruella Deville. <laughs> <laughs> like Cornelia. Oh my gosh, what a name for a person. Like, I can only figure she comes from, like, old gold money. She's yeah. the daughter of one Yukon Cornelius. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then the best part of this episode to me is, like, honestly, I did not like Murder, She Wrote that much. Yeah. But the best part, which redeemed the entire episode, is at the end when Garrett... At the end of everything, sticks Grady with the hotel bill he brought to pay for. It wasn't that the whole deal. It wasn't enough that he framed him for murder. <laughs> like the the whole premise of him staying in the hotel was he was getting comped, right? Yeah. yeah. Man, Grady's like okay. Yeah, Grady man, that guy. <laughs> so. Uh, I think does Jessica end up paying the bill because she's a wealthy book writer? Yeah. Yeah. How would you like to be Jessica and every time you go on vacation, someone gets murdered? Like at what point do you become the suspect? I know. You know? A common <laughs> denominator in like 5,000 murders. Uh, so it it's funny because in, in Colombo, it makes sense because he's a detective. We're just doing his cases, right? But in Murder, She Wrote, so she lives in like Cabot Cove is the name of her town. So there's this thing called Cabot Cove um, Syndrome or something. And it's basically like the idea that these fictional characters have an insane amount of murder that happens around them that is just statistically astronomically impossible. <laughs> anyway. Well, good for her. Mm. All right. Hey, that was uh, Murder, She Wrote. All right. Can't wait to dive into Love Boat. <laughs> Three stellar stories here in the Love Boat. No one was blind this time, but... <laughs> Well, some people were blind to what was in front of them. That's true. Oh, I can't wait for this one. <laughs> wait, wait, before you start, can I just, I, I feel that it would be appropriate to dedicate this to John Westover because of his love, deep and abiding love of Conrad Bain. <laughs> it was thrilling to see Conrad Bain show up on the guest it list. Was. <laughs> oh. All right. So the love boat, the best part. Oh, there's some good. This is a great episode. But we have that same woman. Yeah, Mrs. Mancor. Starring in the love boat. She stars as, oh, what's her name? I think it's Leslie. Yep. And so, Jerry, how many episodes has she been in of the love boat and Fantasy Island? I think we've seen her in two of each, right? So two of you, but you, do you know how many total? I think you got I think that she, number. She does three episodes of Fantasy Island and four episodes of The Love Boat. So she's in seven total episodes, but there's probably what? 
150, 200, 300 episodes of Fantasy Island and Love Boat combined. But she did, and I mean, she's still, is she still alive? I think she's still alive. She has done so much television. And during that time, like we've kind of joked about it, but she's like the go-to black female in 70s television. Like she's just all over the place. She has so many TV credits during the 70s and 80s. Oh no, that, that woman made a living. Holy yeah. cow. And it's just astronomically crazy statistically that we've seen all of them. I know, right? <laughs> you know, we, she's got to be in like, what, like nine or you know, like five of our first seven episodes? Probably. She she has come up frequently. So I, I was kind of just yelling some things at you, but I can tell you here for sure. Let's see. The Fantasy Island, three episodes. Yep, that's right. And then Where's My Love Boat? Four episodes. Oh, so I was right. Okay, I wasn't lying. But okay, look at what she's in. Let's see. Let me... So she's in Welcome Back, Cotter, Good Times, uh, Scooby's Laugh Olympics, <laughs> uh, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. She's in The Jeffersons. She's in, of course, Fantasy Island. She's in The Love Boat. She's in Punky Brewster. She's in oh. Benson. She's in Hill Street Blues. She's in Mr. Belvedere. She's in A Different World. Um, she's in Murphy Brown. She, I mean, she just was on Good I mean, married, married with Children. She was on everything. Wow. LA Law. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. she's got a Belvedere. great role. She was but, on Mr. Belvedere. We've got another connection to to <laughs> old white tattoo Christopher Hewitt. <laughs> All right. So let me tell her story. She plays Leslie, who is a widowed woman. And she's just going on a cruise to get away from it all. But guess who's coming with her? <laughs> <laughs> her dead husband as a ghost. <laughs> so I think she's been widowed for two years. Her guest husband, her husband, ghost husband, is Mikey. I don't know his real name, but he's the he's the guy who goes dynamite. Yep, <laughs> and and recently has been doing like, uh, is it? reverse mortgage ads on CNN or something. <laughs> yes. And so he is just like one line after another, like for the first three fourths of this, he's just like sending out zingers. Cracking wise. His, oh, he is. And his goal is to get her married, is to help her find love. At least that's what he thought. <laughs> Gonna let that right there. So anyway, they go on the cruise and she checks in and she starts talking to her ghost husband, but no one else can see him. So everybody kind of thinks she's crazy. And she says, I'll always love you, but please leave me alone. But that's not how Mikey do. Okay. <laughs> so he immediately, she immediately meets a lawyer named Greg. And Mikey's like, ooh, I like him. He's a lawyer. He's a good guy. And there's so many singles going on these cruises. Anyway, he calls her mama like eight times, which is fun. But so throughout the first part of the episode for their storyline, it's just simply the ghost pushing Leslie into Greg's arms. But my one of my favorite scenes with them is this dinner time. So the ghost, he changes the table number. Because apparently he has powers that you wouldn't think most ghosts do. You know, he can move things. He can push people. He can drink alcohol. <laughs> like a classic ghost there. But So he changes the number. So Leslie and Greg are dining together. But after that, it's dance time. And Greg and Ellen are now dancing. Only Greg isn't dancing, guys. He's living the music. Yeah. <laughs> like it's as if his dance was the marriage of passion, dignity, and only <laughs> less can be so much more, you know? He, he was yeah. transcending time and space with his moves. It was awesome. Greg is stoic and dignified. 
He yeah. is. Oh man, he owned that dance floor. He was a supernova <laughs> out there. But they're dancing, and she's still kind of talking to dead husband, which is a shame because she missed the tour de force of Greg. <laughs> So they go, but they start, they're really starting to hit it off. And you can kind of tell during the dance that one, Mikey might be falling for Greg a little bit too, because it was that smooth, (laughs) but they're getting close and now they're on the deck and it's sunset and they start kissing. You guys, now Mikey realizes, what has he done? Yeah. Is he ready for this? And so they're kissing, he's getting drunk, he's stealing people's drinks and now he's not happy. Greg leaves, and it's just him and his wife. And he's like, "How are you? This, you're, this is too fast. How can you be doing this? You're breaking my blah blah blah." And so now she's apologizing to her dead husband's ghost, <laughs> and she breaks up with Greg. Now she's heartbroken. But guess what? Mm. Mikey's got some thinking to do. Yeah, yeah, he does. So ghosts apparently can drink alcohol. They can't. This one can. <laughs> okay. And like he is not a happy drunk. Okay. <laughs> Did you notice while Greg and Mrs. Mancor were dancing that someone was playing the saxophone the <laughs> to them? <laughs> they were playing the Love Boat theme on the saxophone. <laughs> the Paul Williams <laughs> classic. Williams <laughs> classic. <laughs> but so Mikey has a change of heart. He comes around and tells her, "Go grab him. That's if you really love him." Yeah. And she looks at him and breaks his heart by saying, I love him more than anyone else in this world. Yes. Yeah, after geez. 12 hours. After 12 <laughs> hours. After like eight of those hours, she was reluctant to get in love with anybody. So <laughs> anyway, she's like, it's too late. He's leaving. And it's never too late on the love boat. No. So they're both leaving the cruise. Ghost Mikey pushes her in the back and she falls on him. And then I assume that they're getting married. Oh, they're getting married. So yeah. Greg was disembarking in style. That outfit yeah. that he was oh, wearing as leaving. Holy cow. Like the super wide white collar over the open chested double breasted jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ghost Mikey's last words are, well, now she doesn't have to talk to me. And he just disappears. Yeah, I'm assuming that now he has received final ghost death. He's now fully dead. Yeah, I'm assuming he went to hell. His soul is gone. (laughs) He did his good deed. He won his wings. Yeah. All right. The next. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The next story (laughs) is about Gopher's sister. (laughs) They just refer to as Chubbs. Hey, Fatty. Hey, Chubbs. And so Gopher tells everybody, you know, he's late to a meeting. And everybody's like, well, where's Gopher? And they're like, he's getting his hair feathered perfectly because his sister shoves his puppy. And then Captain Stooming's like, well, you better order two birthday cakes. (laughs) 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 Joke's on them. Joke's on them. She comes back. She's lost a lot of weight, but she's looking to find something while she's there. And that something is dark. (laughs) Again, the mystery of why all women are attracted to dark. I don't know. (laughs) Reasons we can't understand. Doc has the Kavorka. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, so she really wants Doc. But Gopher and Doc are best friends. So Gopher's telling her, hey, I don't like to see all these guys hitting on her. I need you to keep her safe. Doc's like, okay. He's like, well, I think she can take care of herself. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, you do it. He's like, fine, I'll keep an eye on her. Yeah, Gopher knows who Doc is, right? And he's like, hey, Doc, 
you're the guy that has by far the most sex on this ship, and I want you to take care of my sister. <laughs> See, that's what I thought. I thought this episode would end with those two in bed and go for bursting in, and then Doc saying, "You knew what I was when you picked me up." <laughs> yeah, you knew <laughs> yeah. what I was. <laughs> but that's not how it ends. Anyway, she's obviously very much in love with Doc. He's like, "I'll keep an eye on her," and the next time we see her. They're dancing. Stubing's dancing with her. Yeah, Stubing thinks he's got a chance. Yeah. With he's kind of hitting on her. He's like, "Hey, do you know the tango is the dance of love?" Stubing in high school. So we just kind of go back and forth. Like, um, Gopher's getting mad that Doc's not looking after his sister how she wants because she's not dancing with this guy who also has amazing moves. You know, he's like a rubber band on the dance yeah. floor. <laughs> yeah. that, you know doc's like i don't think i should be doing this she's into me but he can't tell go for that for reasons i don't understand either finally chubbs and doc yeah. their dance. <laughs> and chubbs looks up at doc and says dancing with you is a real turn on <laughs> so she wants all the fire from doc but doc he's doing his best to keep the romance at bay you know and finally she's like doc when are you gonna stop treating me like a kid and then she, when you turn yeah. 19. Yeah, it, it's her 18th birthday. Yeah. They're celebrating her 18th birthday. As soon as Gopher's not around for a while. <laughs> anyway, so then Gopher comes in and she's kissing him. Like he he withheld. He did not kiss her. She's kissing him. But Gopher's furious. He refuses to listen to reason. He makes his sister go in the bathroom and close the door. <laughs> That's the best part. No, no, you're not decent. Bathroom. Go in the bathroom and close that door. <laughs> Um, and so Doc's kind of, you know, he's a little bit distraught. So he goes to find Julie to discuss what to do. And weirdly, Julie kisses him full on on the lips. So that happened. Really, she's not that super helpful. She just kind of says, let him down easy. Yeah. I don't know how this resolves. I guess she decides that she can wait for that someone special that's not Doc. Maybe the guy that's on the dance floor. She gets to eat her cake, I guess. So they're back, you know, and so... They're waiting for them to go to her birthday dinner. And she's in her room with Doc again. And Doc's going to let her down easy. And Doc's like, hey, we just can't be together. And she's like, why? Am I not a desirable woman? And she's like, you're very desirable. (laughs) Then, like, it takes a real word. She is most fair. She is most fair. I think he's waiting for her wisdom teeth to come out. or I don't know. But like I you think this whole episode, like she wanted to just fall in love with Doc. But then she tells him she just wants to learn from a man with a lot of experience. <laughs> no. That was bad. Was this like all about just like you know, getting it on with somebody who's done it a lot? That was bad. Like, was that the whole point? That, yeah, this trip for her, this cruise, this is her sex cruise because she's never had sex before and she wants to learn from the best. And apparently for some un imaginable reason doc has an enormous amount of experience <laughs> like so. think how weird that it's just like hey i really want to have sex with somebody but i want to have some sex somebody's teach done it a lot teach me like, what about my what about my brother's <laughs> best friend hi <laughs> <laughs> tiger teach me tiger how kiss you whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so like it's just crazy oh. like of all the people she chooses doc yeah you know make 
Doc Siegel may have been hit a little bit when she realized he realized that she didn't like him that much. She just kind of wanted yeah. to use him. But he also mm. probably liked that because it is Doc. But anyway, Chubbs lets go for no. That, you know, it was me. I was throwing myself at Doc. But guess what? I learned a very, very, very valuable lesson. You know what it was, guys? She learned. <laughs> You're going to find this crazy, but I'll say it anyway. Out of the mouth of children, right? She learned there's nothing wrong with waiting for the right person. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, that's nice. The right person is is going to be that guy on the dance floor. Yeah, it really is. It is. And it's going to be later that night. His denim onesie that he's wearing on the way out. <laughs> okay, you guys. Yeah. The next is a tale of two totally different stories here. Two oh, totally boy. different passions. And I color-coded these. Mm. Blue, dark blue, because it's icy. And the other one, red, because it gets red hot. Oh. <laughs> so we're about to learn about Linda and Wayne. You guys, mm. they are fighting at sea. So Linda and Wayne are the, no, I think Linda is the child. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, the literal child, too, of Janet Lee, Gail, and Conrad. Oh, Conrad (laughs) Payne! So they're going on a cruise. I'm not sure why they're going on a cruise. I don't know, rekindled the passion, but they're fighting already. And so then... Then Gail, Janet Lee shows up and she's like, hey, how's the party? And they're like, there is no party. She's like, I was hoping you'd tell me you were having a baby. But then, <laughs> you guys, then Lex just arrives, kind of ruins everything. Oh, boy. After all, we were married for 20 years. 20 years? Was it 20? What, by just like 40, mother? <laughs> and so their witty banter begins there. So they leave. So Gail and her ex, Les, Parents of Jamie Lee Curtis, Linda in this case. So they're fighting. Like, like honestly, that's it. Like, that sums up their story. Well, like, they're fighting. Divorced parents. Would you say that her, her whole problem, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, her whole problem is that her parents got divorced, and so she's just got in her head that there is no other path but divorce, and so she refuses to have fun on this cruise. Oh, yeah. She, she even says, like, we either get divorced now or later, so why wait? It was a little yeah. inexplicable. I don't. Yeah. yeah, because he's like making an effort, and I'm not trying to blame her. I don't. I mean, there's obviously more going on in their relationship than we see in this episode. But like, it just like she's determined that they're going to get divorced, and she's just miserably dragging herself to the, you know, to that point. But anyway, that's ninety percent of their stories that she's super unhappy. He wants to make it work. We don't know why she's unhappy, but it could be she just thinks they'll end up in divorce anyway. Yeah, I think she's unhappy because she thinks divorce is inevitable. Like, so yeah. why try, right? So it's, anyway. It's weird. But she's she, about to learn a lesson. Yeah. He does have the wonderful line of maybe things would be different between us if we had a baby. You know, mm. that'll make everything better. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's push them aside for a while because they're a drag. Yeah, they really let's are. Let's steam up this episode. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Could Gail want less, any less? At first, yes. Oh! (laughs) Anyway, so Gail and Les leave the room, and it is like zinger after zinger between those two. The on-screen chemistry is a bonfire already. Yep. Yeah. So they're trying to get off the ship because apparently you can board the ship and hang out until it leaves. Yeah. So they're hanging out. They're trying to get out on time. But Gail really wants to see what a renovated cabin looks like. And as much as they hate each other and Les could just say, whatever, I'm out, he follows her. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Guess what, guys? They go and check out the room. The door accidentally shuts and the handle's broken. Yeah. They stuck. The good news is 
they've got 27 peanuts for three days of food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So they're stuck in this room, and this is where the romance begins. The first thing, like you're saying, they find out is they're going to be here a while. They can't open the door. Luckily, Gail has her purse peanuts. You know, <laughs> 27 of them. <laughs> Conrad Bain has some peanut features. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's so they're reminiscing about the past like was it really that bad blah 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 and then this is like oh my gosh this is like the love boat like on steroids so they're sitting there they don't know when they're gonna be let out it's gonna be at least three days <laughs> and so she busts out the book Lord Derek's wench, <laughs> which is going for two ninety nine on Amazon right now. It's so <laughs> Lord Derek's wench, <laughs> and she's like, she just starts. Oh my gosh, she reads two lines from the book, and he becomes mad with desire for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he starts like trying to kiss her on the cheek, and she's like, "Stop, stop." <laughs> And he's incredulous that she's ready to make love to him after those words. Ah! <laughs> you are being a witch! I want to be Lord Derek! <laughs> but it's nice as they're slowly, as she's slowly starting to thaw over their joint appreciation of Harlequin porn. So. Harlequin <laughs> porns and peanuts. Yep. <laughs> and so she's mad that she had to take care of the kids and it ruined their love life and her life. But after being turned away and realizing that maybe just going all for broke with her wasn't the right way, he becomes a little contemplative. Mm. Yeah, he starts thinking inwards before he's speaking outwards. Yeah. And so he asked her, was it so terrible being a wife and a mother? And she said, the problem was being your mother. Yeah. But you know, you guys, 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 it's what he needed to hear. Yeah. Tough love. It was tough love. That was the stepping stone to get where they wanted to go. Anyway, he very romantically splits his last peanut ration with her. <laughs> and that's that's what gets him over the threshold. Yep. Then they nope. start making love under the painter's tarp. For a couple days. <laughs> yes. And now so Conrad and Gail are pregnant. <laughs> Guess who's having a baby now? Yep. Uh. So they're high on love and painting fumes. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and he finds out he can pick the lock and he can get out, but he doesn't. Like, he pretends it's still locked, which I'm going to be honest with you. I thought for sure this is going to ruin everything because that's how the love boat works. Mm. Like, it'll ruin it, but they'll find a way to make it better at the end. Can we anyway, assume that they have running water in the bathroom then? Because, I I mean, they've got to be starving, but at least they've got water, right? You do not want to look at that bathtub. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Conrad was dropping a bane in that tub. <laughs> Bates makes the sweet, sweet love. They decide they're going to get remarried. He finally comes clean. He's like, listen, I knew we could get out a day or two ago. And she's like, I knew we could three days ago. <laughs> and so, hey, this is going to be great. Let's go tell the kids. <laughs> you know? So, oh my gosh, this is my favorite line. They're, like, they're looking at each other and he's like, it must be love. And she responds with, either that or we're both peanut freaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they find the kids as they're you know getting off the boat. And Gail says, we're getting back together again. And now little Wayne and Linda, they're like, well, we're getting divorced. Because they're like the Eeyore of the episode. Yeah. But guess they're a real what? drag. They really suck. <laughs> like, I hope she finds misery and Wayne finds somebody who always says something nice to him. <laughs> but anyway, after her, their parents' great speech about, hey, if we'd just been locked in a cabin for three days, 
together in our late twenties, maybe we'd still be married. Mm. And so <laughs> they both reached to grab the suitcase at the same time. And I imagine their hands. <laughs> and they decided they too can try talking to each other. And then the last line of this episode, which is the best line of any episode is Gopher saying loudly, that's my chubs. His <laughs> <laughs> sister weaves the boat. Jeez. <laughs> that's my chubs! <laughs> anyway, that yeah. is the love boat. Uh, what an episode that was. All right, gents. That, that So that is Janet Lee in our episodes, and I thought we had a pretty good time. So we now got to get serious about this, and we got to talk about some awards here. So what was your favorite Janet Lee character, Spencer? Gail, 100%. Like, they really did. Her and Conrad had this awesome chemistry. They were just, like, whipping them back and forth the whole time. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? I'm going for the the Baroness Cornelia Harper from Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a go-getter, and she doesn't take crap from anyone until, you know, it's time to finally accept full blame for someone having an affair on you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're spreading this all out. I'm going with Suzanne King. I uh, man, Janet Lee uh, trying to be like a full Southerner. That was just fun. So <laughs> all she was right. a Southerner like half the time. I know. So, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and play my favorite quote because it, that's why I chose it. So and then you guys can tell me what it is. Here's this one. Well, well, well. Looky who's here. I thought you was going back to your bungalow for a nap. Trying to wrangle the name of the benefactor out of him is what you was doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> she remembered she was Southern there for the last of that sentence. Oh my gosh. I love when people don't talk in another like, language or dialect. They just talk what they think it's like. Yep. <laughs> All right. Josh, what's your favorite quote? Well, so I, I got a 1A and a 1B. So my runner-up was... Uh, was gail saying well i was saving to go to cooking school you always been a waitress mm-hmm. was saving to go to cooking school for a while then my daddy got real sick and had to quit his job so all the extra money goes to my folks <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite quote like it was about gail but not said by gail it was said by bradford or whatever that guy's name is he's like He's like, I just wanted to ask him what pile of corn pone he pulled your name out of. (laughs) (laughs) What pile of corn pone? (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Spencer, what about you? What are your quotes? All right, I got a quote. Then I got something I I forgot to say about Murder, She Wrote, but it just has to be said. Okay. Like, I love with all my heart that it's, you know, early 80s they make that. But... (laughs) Here's my favorite quote. My favorite quote is one I just said. It must be love. Either that or we're both peanut freaks. <laughs> oh, man. Very good. Okay. Josh, Kian is not macho. Oh, it is the uh, shirt unbuttoned to the navel Conrad Bain. <laughs> uh, that was really nice. Spencer, what about you? You know what? I'm going to go with Hackett because I feel like he showed us you can be tough and vulnerable. Oh, mm. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Greg, who, man, he gets kind of 
he goes for a ride on the love boat, but he's still cool at the end. And and that I mean that outfit that he wears is just just, (laughs) that is a tough one to disagree with. Yeah, holy cow! Can you imagine being within ten feet of him and not just being soaked in his manhood? (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay, Spencer, you've been stubinged. What's your favorite stubing? Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Greg and Ellen on the deck while drunk ghost dynamite watches <laughs> on in despair. <laughs> uh, what about you, Josh? Uh, I'm going to go with when Conrad Bain just mauls Janet Lee. <laughs> like, when he's overcome with passion from that Derek and the wench. <laughs> Lord Derek's wench. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Gail and Conrad as well. And, uh, you know, going for a roll in the painter's tarp. <laughs> Imagine how chafy that is. <laughs> but, all right. All right, then, Josh, we're going to rank these episodes. Which all one right. was your fantasy? Which one are you going to murder? And which one do you love? So, actually, I'm going to actually follow the word order here. So, fam- Fantasy Island was my fantasy. Um, because I would love to win $1 million. Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh, love boat is the one that I loved and murder. She wrote is the one I'd like to murder. Grady. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Spencer? I'm going with Josh. I love fantasy Island. I love, I love that his just like Hackett and his expectations were so far off, but he made the best of it and found a wife. Yeah. So yeah. love me some fantasy Island. I honestly did not care for Murder, She Wrote. And it's not on the same level as Columbo. Yeah. No, it made me long for Columbo. I would love to see an episode where they have to crime off. I think that'd be awesome. Ooh. A red hot Lansbury Falk romance. (laughs) Yeah. What if we find out that Lansbury's his wife? How would that be? He's Mrs. Columbo. He's always gone. Yeah. You know? You know, and that's what I love. I love the love boat. I thought it was super funny. You know, uh, ghost husband was hilarious. Like they're all great. So, all right, and the guest stars. It was crazy how many yeah. people were on there. Oh my gosh, folks, we are completely in sync. My fantasy is Fantasy Island, and I want to murder Murder She Wrote, and I love the love boat. So, that's exciting. You guys want to know who we're doing next? Yes, yes sir. sir. Okay. Does the name Donna Michi ring a bell? Don Amici. Don yeah. Amici. Yeah, Don Amici. Don Amici's fairly famous. He's he's uh if you look him up on IMDb or Google, he's a he's a pretty famous guy. Uh so I I oh, think yeah. he will be doing some starring roles on this as well. Oh nice. I yeah, love so that. That being the case, Don Amici, Spencer, you will be handling Fantasy Island. Season four, episode seven. By the way, Josh, I thought you've been joking this whole time about Mr. Belvedere taking over Tattoo's duties on season seven. No, it's true. It's true. He plays Lawrence (laughs) (laughs) for an entire season. And I can't believe we haven't seen a a season seven episode yet. (laughs) Okay. uh, uh, Season four, episode seven, Spencer, the invisible woman, the snowbird. That's, and he's playing the character of Farini. So there's, there's sure to be lots of good racist Italian jokes. So can't wait. Yeah. Columbo, Josh, this is you. Season one. You're watching a season one episode, episode four. Suitable for framing, and the character's name is Frank Simpson. Excellent. Yeah, Don Amici loved the love boat, so he's on three episodes. Uh, from season three, he's on Gopher's Greatest Hits, The Vacation, and One Rose a Day. For season four, he's on The Duel, Two for Julie, and Aunt Hilly, 
And the one I'm going to pick, though, is from season seven. And it's The Lady and the Maid and Love is Blind and the Baby Makers. And any Love Boat episode where someone's blind, I'm all in. So Yeah, I agree. Yes, what episode so. is that in season seven? Season seven, episode 22, Lady and the Maid, Love is Blind, the Baby Makers. Ooh. Playing character Coolidge. Or uh, Stuart Coolidge, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming the baby makers means that Conrad Bain's coming back. So <laughs> in the role of uh, of Derek. The baby makers. <laughs> They're going to come back separate for pretending to be the wedge. And he arrives earlier as Lord Derek. <laughs> All right. So that's it. So in a couple of weeks, we've, those are the episodes we're going to watch with Don Amici. Oh, it'll be great. Yeah. All right, you guys, we've had our fun. What do we want to share with folks? Oh, no, so we're about to record a In Memoriam the Movie podcast episode about Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, I should say, and uh, that should be coming out next week. Yeah, and then right after... Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Margulis. Don Hector. Yeah, Don Hector from Breaking Bad has passed away. So we are watching Delta Force 2. <laughs> yes. In which in I think oh, his character's name is... The general, or something like that. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome, man. One of the best bad guys ever, Don Hector. All right, uh, let's see. I think that did you guys have anything else you want to mention? Bring people's fancy attention to? I don't think so. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. By the way, we have a new listener in India. I don't know, yes, welcome. Idea. Yeah. Nice. So it's crazy to me. We don't have a huge volume of listeners, but for some reason you're all over the globe. So cool. That's super cool. So keep listening and tell your friends and um, we're having a good time and hopefully you are too. Please email us at fantasy murder, love triangle at gmail.com. You may not know us, but you may be interested in jumping on an episode with us and we don't care who you are. We'll do it right. Just come on and we'll talk about these episodes. Also, head on over to the Facebook group. It's the facebook.com slash group slash FMLTP for Fantasy Murder Love Triangle Podcast. Please go rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, not Stitcher anymore because they are they are dying just like the Pac-12. And, <laughs> uh, but anywhere else where you want to listen to a podcast, we're, we're there. And give us a five-star ranking and then your review can say whatever you want. Anyway, you guys, it's been a blast. Uh, and I just want to say... Thank you, Lord Conrad. Yes. For hopping aboard. Oh, I've been waiting for Conrad Bain for so long. This is awesome. (laughs) All right. right. I hope everybody can find the Grady in their life that they can blame on everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Fillmore Brothers. We'll talk to you guys. We'll be back again soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Are you leaving now? I thought you rats always waited until the ship was sinking.